Hey there, I'm Lowell McWhite. I'm going to read a story called Riff Raff. One of the things I learned from writing this story is that audiences are unpredictable. I wrote this back when I was in graduate school and I wrote it, like most writers, hoping for a certain kind of response. Then I read it aloud in class and I got a really different kind of response. And surprises like that might be one of the fun things about writing. How are you going to respond? You know, I have no way of telling. So, Riff Raff. At that time, I was still making an effort. I was still trying to get my shit together. It was hard, but I was trying. I was driving the cab on a 24-hour shift, hitting the busy parts of the day, hiding in my motel room when it was slower, resting for a few hours before heading back out on the road. When I was awake in my motel room, I would sometimes watch television, evangelical preachers in the morning or psychologists in the afternoon. All of them tried to give advice to the poor unfortunates in their audience. All of them spoke at times about hitting bottom. They talked about hitting bottom like that was all there was to it. Kersplat, bang, you hit bottom, and that's that. The end. Afterwards, your life changed, or it didn't. But what apparently none of them understood that was that hitting bottom was a complicated goddamn process. That when you hit bottom, you bounce like a basketball. And of course you hit bottom again, and bounce again, and again. Every bounce up a little lower than the bounce before. Every smack against the bottom duller and longer than the previous one. It's a process that can go on for a long, long time. Your life doesn't change ever, not usually. Me, I bottomed out a little and thudded by a rock house or a bar, but I usually went back to my motel room and I stared at the television. I'd sit in the gloom and listen to the psychologists, the preachers give advice, listen to the people in the next room argue and fuck, listen to the motel room owners, rottweilers bark at whores and children. I was trying. I drove that cab as much as I could. One Sunday near noon, my dispatch terminal beeped and I was directed to go pick up someone named Miller at the Wilderness Road Inn, a seedy motel just up the street from my own seedy motel. I parked the cab outside the room where Miller was supposed to be and I honked the horn. Company policy dictated that the drivers are supposed to get out and knock on the door for customers, but I refused to do that most of the time. In some parts of the time, town, at the sleazy motels for instance, it could be dangerous. It's illegal for cab drivers to carry firearms, so instead I carried a long, black, heavy steel flashlight, which was good for threatening to bash drunks over the head with, but of course would not be weapon enough to take on a maniac with a pistol. I waited for a few minutes in my cab, then honked again. I put the car into gear and was getting ready to turn around and leave when the door to the room opened and a man came out. Miller, I guess. He was pale, almost an albino pale and dressed in black with a red baseball cap on his lank white hair and mirrored sunglasses. He had a fax machine under his arm. He came down the stairs and got into the cab. He asked, you want to buy a fax machine? No, I said. I started the meter. Man, you got a cold fucking no. Miller sat back and laughed. He said, listen pal, I need some extra cash. I need to get rid of this fax machine. But you have enough to pay me, right? I looked at him in the mirror but I couldn't see his eyes behind his sunglasses. Hey, pal, you think I'm stupid enough to get in a cab without any money? Of course I have enough to pay you. It happens, I said. Hey, pal, not for me. Just stop worrying and start driving, okay? I need to get rid of this goddamn fax machine. Let's try that pawn shop up the street. 
I pulled out into traffic and went three blocks or so to the World of Pawn store. It seemed like the cab fare that cab drivers really hate. Driving some pool to a fool to a pawn shop for a $3.50 fare with no tip. But Miller was in the world of pawn only for a moment or two and he came back out with the fax machine. Fuckers wouldn't give me enough for it, he said. I'm going to have to take it back to the store. It's on the north side. I still got the receipt. You think that's a good idea? I thought. The north side. 20 or so dollars up, 20 dollars or so back. Yeah, that's a good idea. I said, that's probably your best bet. I started pulling out of the parking lot. I said, these goddamn pawn shops don't pay people anything. The city was quiet that Sunday and traffic was unusually light. I drove north and found the office depot Miller wanted. He jumped out of the cab and disappeared into the store. I sat there glumly, hoping that he would be quick. The meter ticked up once and then again and again. No Miller. Then an old fat man in a gray jumpsuit came out of the store. He leaned on his cane, looking at me in the cab. Then he walked over to the Cadillac parked next to me and opened the door. He looked at me again. No one else was in the parking lot. It was as if the streets had emptied and everyone had gone home. No cars, no people, no nothing except the fat old man who was staring at me. I stared back at him. Finally he walked around his car, slowly, slowly, and came over to the cab. I hit a button and rolled down the window. You know, you're parked in a handicapped parking space, he said. He had a big bald head and round glasses. I asked, yeah? And you don't have handicap plates or a sticker? No, I said, I guess I don't. He planted his cane carefully and leaned over, smiling. He had a huge round head. He said, well, you know, I'm kind of an activist for handicapped parking rights. My friends call me the Ralph Nader of handicapped parking rights. He chuckled and looked at me, proud, I guess, of being the Ralph Nader of handicapped parking rights, but I didn't say anything. After a moment, he said, so I guess I'll have to ask you to leave. I'm just waiting for a customer, I said. I looked away at the store. It'd only be a minute or so. Well, then I'm afraid I'll have to call the police. I'm going to have you arrested. He slowly started to turn away, pivoting on his cane. I couldn't believe it. I said, what? I mean, I drive some maniac around for an hour, and then I get threatened by an old bald man. You're parked in a handicapped parking zone, and you don't have authorization. The old man took a step back toward me. He wasn't chuckling now. His face was turning red with anger or madness and spit through out of his mouth when he said the word authorization. He said, I worked for years for handicapped parking rights in this city. I'm not going to have my rights taken away by some damn cab driver. Hey, pal, I said. I stopped. When did I start calling people pal? Miller. Jesus, you drive riffraff around all day and you become riffraff. It doesn't take very long either. I said, I'm just waiting for my customer, okay? I don't give a damn about your customer. I'm not going to have my rights taken away by some sleazy cab driver. I remember another driver once telling me that cabs could park in handicapped spaces if they were waiting for a customer. So I said, nah, fuck you. Call the cops. What did you say? Call the cops, I said. No, the old man said. His bald head was turning redder and redder. No, before that. Fuck you, I said. Call the fucking cops. The old man staggered backwards with a shocked look on his face. I hit the window button. A glass rose quickly, and I looked hopefully toward the door, willing Miller to appear. That's how bad my day had turned. I was praying for some goddamn weirdo to get in my cab. And as for the old man, let him call the cops. 
The worst that would happen would be that the cops would write me a ticket and I'd just stick it in the glove box and forget about it. But then there was a bang on the rear of the car. And another. I looked around and the old man was beaten on my left rear fender with his damn cane. Bang! Bang! I pulled my big black flashlight from beneath the seat and got out of the car. Bang! I said, hey, cut it out. Bang! I said, hey, pal, leave my car the fuck alone. Bang! The old man didn't even look over at me. He was just glaring at my car, red-faced, grimacing, swinging his cane like an axe. Bang! Bang! I dropped my right shoulder and I took two quick steps forward, swinging the heavy flashlight tight and hard, and I popped the old man right on his collarbone, right at the juncture of his neck and shoulder. Bang! His fucking dentures flew out of his mouth and he dropped like a dead piece of meat, cane clattering to the asphalt, his glasses askew, eyes pale on his head. I looked around. The parking lot, the store, the street was still and quiet, silent, empty as if under some spell. There was no one around. I looked down at the old man. He was still breathing, I think. The bright flashlight was heavy in my hand. Hey pal, what the fuck is this? I turned and there, there was Miller. The red baseball cap was pushed back on his head and he had a big astonished smile on his white face. I could see a blurred reflection of myself in his mirrored sunglasses. He asked, what the fuck did you just do? I said, he attacked the cab, so I hit him. <laughs> he attacked the cab. Oh, man, Miller laughed. So let's get the fuck out of here, you dumb shit. I hesitated. Come on, get in, let's go. Miller got in and shut the door. I tossed the flashlight onto the seat and got into the car. I put it into reverse and backed up, careful not to run over the old man. Miller scooted over to the window and looked out at him. Man, you drilled the fucker. He's drilling and shit. He might die or something. He won't die, I said. I pulled onto the frontage road and then quickly darted across three lanes and onto the highway. You hope he don't die. Jesus, I'm in a cab with a killer cab driver. Maybe I should be scared, huh? I said, he was hitting my cab with his damn cane. <laughs> so you killed him. Miller couldn't stop laughing. Oh, man. Well, like I'm supposed to let him beat on my cab with his cane? Fuck no, Miller said. Kill the piece of shit. Yeah, I said, I'm glad you think this is so funny. I kept looking in the mirror, expecting the fleet of cop cars to come chasing me, but there was just the usual light Sunday traffic. Hey, killer, uh, get off here at 11th Street, Miller said. I need to check on something over on the east side. I got off at the next exit and turned left, crossing the highway and heading east. I need a woman, Miller said. Keep your eyes open. I drove slowly east on 11th and turned left onto Crack Alley and went slowly up the block. There's some sullen-looking young men sitting around on the curb watching traffic. Then a drug runner I knew, Wayne, stepped out from behind a car and waved at me. The windows were up, but I could hear him yell, Hey, stop! Got a friend of yours, Miller asked. I don't know, I said, maybe. Miller said, make a left here and cut over to 12th. There's no chicks around here, just a bunch of crack dealers. I made a left and went up to 12th and turned right again. We went past Chacon, and then Miller told me to make a left. It was an ancient barber shop with a no trespassing sign in front and a pair of old men sitting in chairs. They glared at my cab. Miller rolled down the window. Hey, he said, where's the checks? One of the old men said, get the fuck out of here. Miller rolled up the window. He said, dumb piece of shit. I made another block and there were three girls sitting on the curb in front of a church. Stop, Miller said. He rolled down the window. Hey, Michelle, get over here. 
One of the girls, she was very tall, with short, slick hair, got up and walked over to the car. She looked in the window at Miller. I remember you, she said. And let, let, then get in, Miller said. Let's go. Michelle turned to her friends. See ya, she said. She got in the car. How you been, Miller asked. I've been okay, Miller said. Where are we going? Over to my place, Miller said. Well, I'm going to need a rock, Michelle said. Hey, I don't blame you, Miller said. Life's stressful. My driver here, killer. He'll take us to get you a rock. Michelle looked at me. I know him, too. I remember him. She reached up and tugged on my ear. I remember you. Oh, man, Miller left. You know killer? Yeah, Michelle said. I remember him from some house somewhere. Michelle got up between the seats, almost resting her head on my shoulder. I could smell the hair butter she used. It smelled like coconuts. She asked, you remember me? Sure, I said, uh, somehow, somewhere. Yeah, who was the last Batgirl you slept with? Batgirl. Batgirl was cab driver slang. A woman who slept with cab drivers in return for, for a free ride. I said, you? Yeah. Michelle was pleased. She sat back next to Miller. Right in the back of the cab. Yeah, you're the one. Oh, man, Miller said. Killer, I'm learning all sorts of things about you today. He's a good driver, Michelle said. He took me out to Maynard to see my sister for free. Shit, you should have seen him pop this old man a few minutes ago, Miller said. He drilled the fucker. He beat up an old man? Michelle frowned. She reached up and tugged on my ear again. Why'd you beat up an old man? The old man attacked a cab, Miller said. Killer didn't have a choice. He just drilled the fucker. I stopped paying attention. It was like they were talking about someone else. It was just noise. I drove aimlessly, going a block, then a right, a block, then a left, a block, a left, a right down an alley, wherever, whatever. I'd been a bad person long enough that I knew this part of town fairly well, at least at night. But now in the daytime, I could see that there were some nice, well-kept homes tucked in along the street. Homes probably inhabited by decent, well-kept people. I also passed three places I knew to be crack houses full of riffraff, and a couple more that looked to be full of riffraff. Finally, we came to the house that Michelle wanted, the house I'd seen her in before or something. A big old place with peeling paint and trash bags in the yard. Other trash bags were stapled or taped to the windows, and there was a blo broken plastic tricycle on the front porch. The house was on a hill, and you could look west across the highway and see downtown, the Capitol, the University, the neon-fringed buildings, civilization. Miller and Michelle went into the house, and I sat waiting for them in the cab, the meter ticking up every now and then, ticking up, ticking up. I sat there looking out at the city, the orange sun sinking behind the hills, the people driving up down and down the highway in ignorance, and it all looked so far away. In the end, uh, thanks for listening. You can always find me on my website, www.lowellmcwhite.com, or on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, under my official authorized name, Lowell McWhite.